Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Attack Early Show, Season 5, Episode 4. Boom. Today's... Wait, I didn't introduce you. I'm with Sam. He's a good friend. He lives in Nashville. Hi. He's going to be doing the podcast with me today. It's true. Anyway. I'm here. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about... Kind of controversial, maybe uh-huh. not, maybe uh-huh. taboo. Uh-huh. I don't think it'll piss anyone off. I think like people just kind of be in the back, be like, "Yeah, man, preach." <laughs> but like, no one talks about this either. I don't know how we're getting all these topics that no one wants to talk about because they're scared. This to has talk been about. on our list for I don't know, maybe maybe half a year, maybe maybe almost a full year. But the topic is what the record needs versus what the client wants. Yeah. And as many of you know who have been around, you know, the, the, the merry-go-round, the thing for a while, you'll know those two are not always the same. Mm-hmm. So, but before that, yeah, Sam's going to take us in to some housekeeping. Housekeeping. It's kind of a pleasant one, you know? Ooh. Like butterflies fluttering around, like a little <laughs> snow white thing happening. Very pleasant. Like the more, the more you know. <laughs> like a piccolo flute. Yeah, I think we could do something special for that one. I yeah. picture Mary Poppins. <laughs> really? That's what I picture with this one. Like coming down yeah. on like one of the umbrella. Like I'm about to go into a medley of you know musical songs <laughs> for housekeeping. Anyway, did you know in Mary Poppins? <laughs> yes. One of the kids who plays in there, his name was Matthew Garber. Did not know that. There you go. Might need to your fact, tip of the day. Might need to fact you, check it. Fact check it. All, fact check it all you want. <laughs> Don't, doesn't bother me. Let me just look this up. I need to know. He, yeah, Matthew Garber, I, audience listener. I don't know Wade. what happened to him, but I know he is not alive. We are hundred percent correct. <laughs> not to be morbid, but Come, just, comes right oh. up immediately. Mm-hmm. He played Michael Banks. That mm-hmm. is wild. He even looks like you, Matt. No, no, it doesn't. It's a child. It's a black and white photo, too, probably. They, they colorized it. I know the exact photo you're looking at. <laughs> that is wild. Listener Matt Garber was in Mary Poppins in another lifetime. There you go. An earlier me. An earlier Matt. I was re- reincarnated with the same name. <laughs> That's amazing. Look well, at that. Take us into housekeeping. Housekeeping. My dearest friends and listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us through that. Um, During this special time, you have the unique opportunity to go like, subscribe, share our podcast, The Attack and Release Show. Uh, You can do it on uh, iTunes, Podcast World. If you uh, give us some ratings, that always helps. But we are going to keep uh, asking for your help with sharing it on Instagram. It's picking up speed. It's picking up momentum. The snowball is finally growing. You all are helping us out a ton with screenshotting episodes, tagging us, uh, and then we reshare it. Hopefully that's becoming mutually beneficial uh, and that other people will see you and check your account out. And uh, it's just been going really I great. I follow you. Yeah, you do. Um but yeah, this year, I mean, like the last few months, we've been on a, a real sh- a share uh, share roll. You know, we've been on a roll. We got some go- good momentum. So take one minute. That's all we're asking. It even takes less than that. Screenshot an episode, post it on your Instagram, tag us. We'll reshare it. 
And that is housekeeping. Man. Nice. So, from here. From here. Where what the record needs versus what the client wants. Yeah. Do you ever have a client, Sam, huh. that wants the record to do something that it's not doing and go in a place where it's not really even close to remotely being close to, but it needs to go in that direction according to the client? Yes. What do you generally do? Episode over. Yes. That's it. <laughs> um, Let's wrap. All right. I, I, this all right. is... Everyone take five. It's well well said. Well said, Sam. Yes. <laughs> um, this is a, trick, a tricky topic to navigate, honestly. And it's crucial that you find the balance of how to work with clients and give them and or the record what they need versus what they want. Because often... I have found that the client, what the client often wants has a lot to do with their own personal uh, investment bias opinions uh, into the project, which is normal, and also then the opinions of the other people that are involved. Projects are complicated. It's not as black and white as a lot of people think when you start. And you quickly realize that in order to get across the finish line, there is this delicate, delicate dance, like in Mary Poppins, um, <laughs> between serving the record and serving the client. And for me, what the record needs is often, for me, frameworked in a mindset of how is this going to compete in the market, the actual real-world market, and what does this record need to do? Where does it need to go from mix to master in order to compete with what's out there versus what is the client telling me they want that often, um, not often, but I'll say, I don't know, yeah, I'll go with often, is often if I do exactly what they say, it's actually not going to get us the best in product for them to compete at. And I think what happens is clients really are people that are, you know, mixers, producers, whoever, whatever stage you're at, you know, coming into mastering, whoever all is involved, has you kind of get into this like bubble and you and you get blinders put up to where you get lost in the project. And to me, this is like one of the best reasons why you hire a master engineer is we are hopefully there to be an unbiased opinion that then can come in and say, hey, here's what the record really needs. I know y'all have been like in this record, thinking about this record, beating this record up, enjoying the record, whatever the record for you know a week, a month, a year, however long they've been spending on the song or songs. And they lose perspective of what it needs versus what it wants. And oft, often the wants have been generated by um, personal ego sometimes, personal pride, personal I need to be right, I know I'm right, the producer's wrong, or I know it needs to sound like this because I just think it needs to sound like this because it sounds wrong in my room. And often hopefully why you're hiring a master engineer is because you trust that we know what a record needs in order to compete. And so you always have to 
in my opinion, you listen to the client, you listen to what the client wants. And then I try to figure out how can I marry that into what I know the record needs. Um, And what the record needs is kind of a uh, moving target, of course, in some way. And in in some way, it's a heavily biased opinion, in my opinion. But it's an opinion based on experience of how to finish records and having experience of records that have done well commercially. That's really what people usually want is they want the record to do well commercially, but sometimes in order for the record to do that, uh, it needs to be manipulated more or differently than what they want. And that's sometimes a hard thing to swallow of them saying, hey, we need it to be brighter. Hey, it's just got to be brighter. It's not, the vocal's not as upfront. It needs to be brighter. And I'm over here like, oh my gosh, this thing is ripping my head off. Like we need to, I need to do some investigation. I need to figure out where are they listening? What are they listening to? You know, has the is it really a with a lot of this it gets into is it really a vocal issue or is it an EQ issue? Is it a performance issue? You know, is it anything that actually has to do with me, or is this a leftover issue that never got resolved? And that's a lot of what the client wants. A lot of what the client wants is what the client felt like they were never heard, they were never listened to. So what the client wants is often like man, I've been complaining about this guitar part since day one and no one has adjusted it. Now we're at mastering and now the guitars, we just need everything to be wider and bigger. And that's often something where I'm like, it actually doesn't need to. You just felt like you needed to have this guitar adjusted and I'm sorry that no one listened to you and honored your wish. But at the mastering stage, my opinion is the song is plenty wide already, like, you know, based Mm -hmm. on my experience. So if we make it wider just because you think the guitars need to be wider, it actually may be detrimental to the song as a whole because you have lost perspective. So I'm going to stop there. That's my opening remarks on this idea of what the record needs versus what the client wants. Matt, what do you think about this topic? How do you view it? How do you navigate it? Um, I've written at the bottom of my notes that... This is honestly a very honest ex, um, exercise in communication mm. and how well you are able to communicate um, what is going on in a way that will be received well by the client. Not only received well, but comprehended because it's like, you know, in school, I can understand what a teacher is saying um, but that doesn't mean that I comprehend what mm-hmm. they're saying and I, I was never really like a school smart kid and I, I just don't think I was really interested but I don't think I'm a dumb person I just don't think I was really ever put in a situation to really like care yeah, because didn't really have a teacher that was willing to go out of their way because I feel like a I don't know. I I can probably count on one hand how many teachers I genuinely knew loved their, like the topics that they taught. And they're things that I'm interested in. Um, So I think this is a very good opportunity for you to exercise your communication abilities. If you think that something is woolly sounding or muffled sounding and 
somebody keeps on saying, I want it louder, I want it louder, I want it louder. And it's like, well, if you have kind of like a buildup in that low-mid kind of area, guess what's going to be hitting the limiter first? It's and, and if that's kind of the vibe of that, you have to be able to explain to the client if they gave you, let's say, a reference that... Um, is a little bit more geared towards the high mid and kind of like airier sides of the mix and has like a really tight kick and everything. And you have something that's a little woolier and there's nothing wrong with any of these. It's just different genres and different strokes for different folks and what the band wants to do. But if you if if you're kind of staring down the barrel of something that's like really good sounding, like but like the the top end is just performing a lot better. It's like there's a lot of very smart people out there that have said, well, this is the curve of what the human ear likes as far as frequency response is concerned, and it's what we respond to at best as humans. And it's going to favor the vocal range because uh, humans are hunter-gatherers and we kind of use those senses and that type of a frequency range as... Like, oh, somebody's talking to me, or, oh, shit, did you hear that, like, voice? Like, I'm, like, hiding in the woods, and I think I heard a voice over there. That's a survival thing, and so we just, we really tune into that kind of a range, as opposed to, like, low mids, where I don't really think that that, like, really, when, I don't know, whenever humans did what humans did, I don't think that was really a trait that the ear really caught on to. Or even like the low lows. Don't get me wrong. If the ground is shaking <laughs> and there is a low rumble going on, there's a, in the words of Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear, poo is coming out. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as how we typically react as humans, that's going to be like the more like audible cue uh, for whatever reason. And so are you going to be able to get like a woolly mix are you going to be able to push it as well and as easily as something that just like really nice and tight and dynamic and has like a really solid vocal part and it's really like out front as opposed to, like I said, something that's woolly where maybe where the vocal's a little bit more recessed or pillowed, let's say. And this is kind of, and like I said, I had time to, for you to exercise your communication ability, brush up on your euphemisms. That's... uh you using words to maybe say something a little nicer than you should. I remember when I was running front of house, this is the opposite of a euphemism. I told somebody uh, when they said they couldn't hear themselves in the in the main mix, I said, well, it's a microphone, not a miracle. <laughs> and so <laughs> that is the opposite of what a euphemism is. A euphemism is trying to make something sound a little more sparkly than it actually is. Um so I, that's kind of where I come down is that I feel like it's a pretty solid exercise in communication and communication ability. Yeah. And how well are you able to communicate what you believe the record needs to a client who thinks the record may need something different? And then are you... Is is it a is it a thing to where it's worth it to put ego aside and say, you know what, you're right, this is your record. Right. And there's some projects, you know, if you're just on like the millionth revision, 
that's a point to where, and you're probably beyond the point to where you probably should say, you know, I think that I'm not the right person for this job Mm -hmm. because I can't get this right, obviously, and I just don't think that I'm the right fit. And that's when you pick out your list of people who have wronged you in past lives and you (laughs) recommend them to one of those people. (laughs) Um, I have done that. And people, (laughs) if like someone just like, like, if, if you comment on the podcast and you like, I don't know, you're like, you're just like a dick to me or something like that. I totally remember it. And then if I have a trouble client, I totally send them. I was like, yo, check out this person's studio. Oh my gosh. You've Amazing. never done this? No, I honestly oh, haven't. Oh, dude, I've done I've it. I've thought about it, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, I've, I've. I do it like once or twice a year. I've quit projects a few times. Yeah, a few times a year, I'll say. I'm just, this just clearly isn't the right fit because you don't want me to master. You want me to just, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, usually with that, it's, they're they're telling me what to do to master or sending me screenshots of yeah. things or, you know, over and over and over again. And at that if stage... If I do this on top of your master... Right. If, you know, have you tried <laughs> It sounds this? better. Right. Things like that to me... Why does mine sound louder? And right. Like you said, well, I can see it clipping by 6 dB on the meter. Right. So those things are not... This doesn't even... It's not even, to me, if a feeling of ego or pride hurting. It's more of like, I just feel like I can't give you what you want. So I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your money. So either you just do it and master it yourself, which you're allowed to do, or you hire someone else who, you know, will do that. Um, I don't want to cut you off from what you were saying though, Matt. No, you're all good because then there's a, there's an opposite to it of, um, like, the the communication to where then you get into kind of the more cringy parts of this episode, like the depths and the nethers of this episode, which is when you have someone like, like how do you address it at this point to where it's like the client's like, you know, and they're like, they, they've been sitting with something for a while and then they bring in someone who was never a part of the project and say... I have a friend who uh, who's a producer, uh-huh. and I showed this to them, right. and then they said to do this, right. and so now it's like bringing the client, like it's bringing somebody else in to like form the client's opinion, and they were never even a part of the decision right. to begin with, yeah, never a part of the creative process. They're adding parts in their head, right? There's supposed to be a bell section here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So how do you how do you deal with something like that? I mean, with all with all of this, like I usually try to be as kind and listening as possible, and yeah, I always start you with have to. with. I usually just say the phrase, "Can you help me understand what you're what you're saying?" Because I genuinely yep. believe, at a foundational level, we're all trying to win. Like we want sure. this to be done and sound good. It's not a. I don't want this episode to sound like an us versus them situation because I Matt yeah. and I do not approach our clients that way. It can sometimes no. feel that way in these contexts, but um, you know, the I'll always try and ask them, "Can you help me understand why we're doing this? What you want done? You know, what's your fear about it? Did you have concerns about it? If it's not this bright, you know, the, this, that, and the other, when it starts to become a thing of, hey, I showed my friend." 
uh, other person I trust, you know, sometimes that'll be the word they say. This I showed it to a producer who I trust their ears and room, and they said it's too bass heavy, you know, or that this is you know needs corrected. Um, can you make that change? I'll usually t- try and tell them basically. You know, it's not it's not bad to ask people's opinions, but when we're in the context of a project, you have to be very careful who you let chime into the project because you're unaware of their motivation and they're unaware of the context of the project and the goal often. So there are plenty of times where people do not get hired to be on projects for certain reasons, and those people can have poor motives. So if they send you the song, they're... Uh, opinion of the song is you can be coming from a place of well I would have done it differently because I'm better but you chose not to involve me in the project and so I'm just going to tell you now why this mixer you hired or master engineer is actually inferior there are those situations that actually do happen I know where people are a bit bitter and coming from a place of Basically, uh, their feelings were hurt that they weren't hired to be part of the project initially, and now they're getting asked their opinion, and they're feeling a bit undervalued and underappreciated. There's that part of it, and then also I try to, you know, sometimes that's not the case. It is just, hey, this is a friend who I trust, you know, who also makes records, and they think this, this, and this, and I just usually try to tell them like, hey, thanks for the feedback. But yeah. at this stage, they are unaware of the context of what we're working with. They're unaware of what we've been through. They don't know this is version two or three. You know, what they're saying may have value, but it's kind of like it, it holds next to no weight, in my opinion. Um, you know, because most likely anything they're saying is a heavily personal biased. Um, and they're not the master engineer. So their opinion is probably wrapped up in their own expertise. So often it's a producer. Well, producers listen a certain way. Most producers want everything just to be ripping through the limiter, hi-fi, overcooked, you know, because just look at producer roughs. No, no shots fired at producers out there. <laughs> but almost every producer delivers to the mixer a overcooked, hyped, overhyped, unrealistic you know, version of the song that really doesn't best serve the song song. <laughs> You're stealing our thunder here, right. man. So, you know, depending on who it is or it's a mixer, you know, who's now thinking from a mix perspective about the mix specifically, you know, well, the, you know, the this needed to be automated and the drums are not punchy enough and we need more overhead. So you kind of get all these opinions from people that are not really viewing the song from the mastering chair or the mastering hat, in my opinion, in most of these cases. So I try and help the client think about it that way of, hey, we're at the mastering stage. So I'm approaching this from a mastering perspective of, we're trying to make this record be done and we're trying to bring peace of mind that it's ready to come out in the market. We're not necessarily at a stage where we're thinking about production, arrangement, and mixing. We're thinking about it from the from the perspective of mastering and finishing the record. So usually the comments that are being made are kind of even irrelevant because it's like, I just can't, if you think the guitars can do this and the bass needs to do this, these are things that you'll need to reopen in the mix, you know? Or if the drums feel weird still, that could be a production sourcing thing. Has nothing to do with me. So I'm always trying to framework for the client to make them rethink, hey, we're we're about two steps away from being done here. Like we have a great mix, you have a great song, we're doing good things, we're so close. Let's not 
open the door and let a bunch of other people like jump in bed with us like at this stage because it's just not going to be helpful to get us like across the finish line in my opinion based on my experience now of doing records for 10 years and doing them successfully too is something of like hopefully the you know there is some um i guess authority you gain by having commercially successful records that that deems you in our context that, yes, I actually do know what I'm talking about on some level. I do know how to listen. I do know how to make records compete in the market. You know, I have proof of concept with that, with, you know, the success of records I've worked on. When you start out, you don't necessarily have that. But as you go along, hopefully why people are hiring you is because they're trusting you to create a certain sound that you like and a certain sound that performs in the market you're going for with your goals. So... I'm just always trying to get the client to be like, do you want to trust the producer who only, you know, works on a, you know, a few songs a month or the mixer who works on maybe a dozen songs a month or more or the master engineer like me who works on 100 plus songs a month? Like, do you want to trust me because you're paying me, you know, and and coming to me for my opinion or do you want to um, you know, basically discredit my opinion to take on your buddy's opinion that may or may not be valid at all. It may not be helping the song. It may just be you um, want to include your buddy because you like your buddy and you want him to like you. Like That's a normal thing <laughs> that does happen of just wanting approval of others. But that's often what the client wants and not so much what the record needs. Um, so that's kind of you know really how I navigate it is trying to get them to help me understand where they're coming from and then me kind of reframing to here's where we're at, here's where we need to go. Do these comments, are these helpful comments or not? Are these actually helpful comments, comments uh, in the context as well? Are they helpful? They could be nice comments, but they could be in the wrong context. So it's always a balancing for me of trying to get the client to see where we're actually at how close we are to actually being done, how great the record actually is. And I'm trying to be, bring perspective that at this stage, we most likely don't need your buddy who's the drummer in some other band mm-hmm. giving his opinion on you know, the master. It's most likely not the best place to get your information from. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. What do you think, Matt? I think with like how creaky my desk is, I should be like a Foley artist for like pirate <laughs> movies. This totally sounds like like a ship. Oh, it does. But now it's not going to do it. Like ship fully. You hear this thing? I that do. Kinda sounds like a squeaky nice motel bed, but creaker. <laughs> but it's like I'll just be hanging out here, just and it just like creaks. Like a wooden ship. Yeah, it sounds like a creaky motel ship. bed now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that fully artist. <laughs> oh man. Um... What do I think? I think that it's very important also uh, I think it's very important to like also frame it in your mind of who the client is. Mm. This sounds weird because it's like I know who the client is. Yeah, but if you so like have you ever had I don't know. This episode is just like these little tiny, like, it's like you're trying to like tiptoe around a minefield. Right. (laughs) And it's like, I don't want to piss anyone off. Right. But it's like, if I had a platform to speak from, and I'm I'm trying to not piss anyone off. Um, 
I guess we'll rip the Band-Aid off. You ever have a mix engineer come back on a song that they were just the mix engineer on and then they completely derail a whole fully done project <laughs> that was approved? Yes, I've had that happen. Well, you need to, in that situation, I'm not saying I've ever had that happen to me or anything, but what I am saying is in that situation, you need to define who the client is. Yep. And because that opinion is going to sway the client's opinion because when the masters were done and the client approved them, that's a three-word sentence called a client-approved master. That's what we in the biz call a wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also need to make sure that we are defining um, who the client is. And if a drummer from another band comes in and says, well, the drums aren't really that loud, they could be louder, and that influences the client's opinion, of course the drummer is going to a drummer is going to say the drums could be louder. The right. vocalist could say the the vocals could be louder. Of course that could always be the case. So we always have to make sure that we're putting into perspective mentally if something kind of gets derailed a little bit, making sure that we understand um who the client is. Uh, what else do I got written down here? Yeah, I got my 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 noisy boat. You got some like ship noises we can put in here, or like <laughs> you got like a like a like a like a sea kind of acting up. I could probably figure out a sea situation for sure. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Like a cannon going off. You know, if you were gonna do it, like a parrot that's on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, I also have written down a question of like at what point is something like beyond mastering like a, a mastering revision like at what point does something that the client want unable to be accomplished by the mastering engineer and so at what point does that something become a mix revision yeah what do you think about that because it because at some point we have to kind of wash our hands of this. Right. And don't get me wrong. If you're getting something that's like V thirteen, like on the mix, right, you have to accept that mix if you're accepting it. Right. And if it sounds good to be mastered. But if the client wants something kind of changed, because if you're going to get something with that, then this is not me, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but if something comes in with that high of a revision count, then like that song got a little bit of baggage. Right. <laughs> and so you got to understand there's probably not a lot of, uh, let's use a, a fan favorite word, dynamic range for you to go and ask for a mix revision. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen. Right. So you're, when you see that you kind of need to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and assume that, that guy, that mix revision is not really going to come out right. Right. Um, so you, you you kind of know that. But at what point would you say something that the client wants is not necessarily something the client needs? When they're asking for something, at what point do you send something back for like a mix revision? Or do you ask for it? Yeah, I, I mean, at this stage, most the people I work with have access to the mix, thankfully. Yeah. So... If we start getting, usually it's like after, honestly, like most of my stuff's accepted version one. If we get to version two mm-hmm. and the client's kind of like, hey, I think I we're going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we need it to feel like this and do this and that. Often I'll be like, you know, my first thought usually is, well, do you think the mix sounds that way? 
You know, yeah. sometimes I will ask them that. It's, it's kind of a delicate thing to say because you don't want to come off as a as a dick. But yeah. you know, sometimes if I feel like I have the rapport with the client, I'll say, "Do you feel like the mix already feels that way? Does it feel like the bottom end is big and then it's got punch and it feels emotional on the you know the top end and the vocals are glued? Do you feel like the mix does that already?" If they say no, you know, or we were hoping you could fix that, then. I'm kind of like, well, we're not going to dive back into the mix. Because if these are concerns yeah. they've already had about the mix that haven't been resolved, opening the mix up is probably not going to do anything for us. Yeah. If they say, yeah, you know, I think the mix is already that way, then I will usually do another version that is extremely clean, where I'm basically just hitting a limiter and printing and getting us up yeah. to level. I'll take off any of That's my... That's a big one for me. Yeah, any of my initial... Moves with extra EQ or kind of my the Sam sound essentially. Like I'll remove all of that and just run a clean limited version that's got us to level. And it's essentially, I mean, it's kind of been EQ'd just from a limiter because everything's changing on some level. But I'll send that version to them, and they'll either go, "This is perfect," you know, or they'll go, "No, you know, it still doesn't feel right." At that stage, I know we've got yeah. a disconnect between what they think the the mix sounds like and what they're hearing, you know, at the mastering series. There's a disconnect in their expectations or there's a disconnect in where they're listening or what they think it sounds like versus what it actually sounds like. So at that stage, you know, I have to just kind of talk through with them about like, hey, you know, I'll often ask client, what would you like me to do? Do you want me to keep running versions? You know, I... I'm confident in version one, two, and three that they all sound great and that they all would compete. You know, if they came out today, they would compete and translate well. That's often something the client, the client is is like chasing a perfect song, you know, whatever that means to them. And often there's a wide range of acceptability um, in our, you know, even in the professional world of what is acceptable. Uh, sonically to compete in the market. And I think that's where, you know, it's it's helping them once again think about is it's almost I don't want to say it's the idea of like is this good enough to come out cuz it almost feels like we're settling, but on some level there is mm-hmm. always things we could change, you know. And so you have to be able to say this will work for our goals and where we want to go and this does actually sound good. And yes, we could beat it up forever. Of course, you could do that at any stage. But there has to be a surrender at some level and a trust that this can come out and compete. And to circle back to kind of your question of, you know, when do you do the mix or whatnot? I usually try, I mean, I usually try and not get back into the mix. I assume that if the mix has been approved, that there is a way to solve this problem without me having to you know, get them, get the mix back open. So I'll just start trying to help, have them help me understand what they're saying. You know, we need it to be more emotional, big hit it, hitting harder. I want it to sound like this song, this song. Okay, well, with these two songs you gave me, they're totally different songs in my opinion, sonically. But what about the song? Oh, well, it's, you know, it just sounds so upfront and big, you know. Okay, cool. Well, that's a different approach. Upfront and big is a different approach than, 
you know, bright or more vocal. So it's kind of, for me at this stage, I'm just constantly, I feel like an interpreter, honestly, where I'm constantly, mm-hmm. not just, le- I'm learning new languages. Every client speaks a foreign language. Like they have their unique foreign language that you have to become fluent in because they're dealing with, especially as you get higher up, they're dealing with certain dynamics, group dynamics of the manager and the label and the mixer and the producer and like a lot of stuff in country, like the producer has a heavy say in the master, like on signing off on things. You know, there's different genres where there's a different hierarchy of who is signing off and who is the Mm -hmm. client once again. Like sometimes I feel like, you know, we go around in circles like me and the mixer and whoever, but really we need it so-and-so to sign off on it and they haven't even heard it yet. So we're just like chasing our tails, being like, well, I think it needs to be like this, this, and this before we deliver it. I'm usually at the stage where I go, hey, I know version one, two, and three sound great. I would put my name on it. We need to get the real feedback that matters. What the record needs right now is the actual feedback from the person who's going to sign off on it, not the three of us or the two of us debating between each other, is it this or that or the other? Because on some level, you got to turn the record in and have the final person check, you know, approve it or not. Their feedback is essentially most important. So that's <clears throat> something like, you know, depending on do we open the mix back up, it depends on who, who I really like what you said, like who is the actual client? Because a lot of the times the mixers I work with are not the ones paying me, but often the mixers have the loudest voice and pull with a lot of projects, um, which I don't quite honestly understand when that shifted to where the mixer becomes the approver of the master before mm-hmm. you know the client but the client is usually the one paying me the label or the artist you know they're the ones paying me so i often try and i really want to get their opinion first before we make a whole bunch of changes based on a mixer because the mixer is usually viewing it still from a mixed perspective and they often at the end have honestly lost perspective of where the record needs to go they're stuck on, oh, well, it impacts my mix this way. And I'm thinking, yeah, it does, so it can sound better and compete against all these other records, you know. But mixers are often thinking from a perspective of their own mix potential. And I'm thinking from, where can the record go to compete in the market of thousands of other mix styles? So that for me is like, I'm constantly trying to think of that idea of, who is the actual client here? Who do, who needs to sign off on it? And does you know does that need then? Do we need to open the mix back up? Usually the answer for me is no. You know unless we're a couple a few versions in and it just feels like yeah I just I can't make the kick drum hit any harder without making everything else down there you know become more loud. So that's kind of my long winded answer of how I navigate that. Every every situation is different. You know, and they and context is really important, and knowing your client, how your client responds, is really important. Some people are more sensitive than others, and you have to be aware of that quickly. Otherwise, you'll lose you'll lose a client. You know, you'll mm-hmm. burn a bridge on accident. In that, you both want to win, you both want it to do well. You're both trying to say the same thing, but you've just you're speaking two different languages, and that's sometimes a recipe for disaster. So. Hand it back to you. What do you do? You ask um, for a new mix? You like going into the mix again? So, touching back on who the client is, yeah. 
if the client wants to go one way, but the label who's paying for everything does not want to go that way, <laughs> that's also where you got to put on your thinking cap about right. like, like we got to choose our words wisely here. And like, we obviously want to stay on the project. And, um, yeah. So I have like with this, it's kind of like, when in doubt, communicate. Yes. Um, but don't over communicate because there's no reason to like share too much. Don't answer questions that weren't asked, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and then when in doubt, like hop on a phone call. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot is lost in email. A lot is like, even more is lost in text messages just because it all happens so quick. Right. Um, so first of all, and then I'll get back to the question. Um, if I ever have any type of a doubt, if I can avoid a text message or an email, I will. However, comma, if it needs to be in writing, always follow up a phone call or whatever with this, like like whatever was agreed upon or anything. Always have that in writing. So like my mastering checklist, what I'll do is I'll have that kind of be the main thread. And if there's any responses or something like that that happens off of that mastering checklist, like a new email created, I'll copy and paste that email into the mastering checklist email on the next email that I write. And so it's like everything is there, everything is in one place. And if somebody wants some type of thing and they say it on the phone, I'll say, hey, if you don't mind, just go ahead. I'm an idiot. I don't remember stuff that well. Go ahead and shoot that to me in an email just so I kind of have everything in writing. Um, I don't call myself an idiot. Um, but I do do some pretty silly things sometimes. Anyway, so what do I do as far as like revisions and as far as like um, do I send a mix back? The only time I do is... And if it's not like me turning a mix down, it's if I feel like there would be unnecessary over-processing on my side in order to get something pointed in the correct direction. Because it's like, we know that... I don't really have a good example for this, and I'm normally like full of examples, but... If I'm trying to kind of work some separation in the low end, like like the the kick in the bass, or let's just say this, are kind of fighting, and I really can't like get it so that it's like kind of bumping, and it's a song that kind of needs to bump, and there needs to be a little more dynamic there. Um, there's some things you can do, but how much mental energy are you going to be focusing on that one area, and then what are you going to be missing? Like like what of your like mental capacity, are you tying up with all this? And then you're tying up like, um, like plugins and all this stuff. And it's like when if the if if it's like an opportunity to where you can do that, then you can't always send something back. Sometimes you just kind of have to work with what you got. And it's like okay, we'll just put a dynamic EQ here. We'll uh, kind of do. Uh, we'll kind of do a little mastering voodoo magic and make the kick pop out a little bit more. I guess. Um, play with some attack and release settings. I don't know. Um, and your mileage may vary for every one of these. But it's like, it, if it's important enough, 
and like the low end is loud enough to where it's like, ah, oh, this isn't going to be able to like, like it's not fitting like the sonic signature of the rest of the album. Is this like a divergent song from the album, like intentionally, or is this kind of weird? I don't think there's anything wrong with hopping on a phone call of being like, hey, what's going on like with this song? Can you tell me a little bit about it? And then someone will probably end up being like, why do you say that? And it's like, well, I have this like kind of interesting thing with like the kick and the bass, and I'm kind of over-processing on my end, and I'm just weighing the option of, would this be better? Because this is like a little tiny simple thing that can be fixed in the mix, and it's like like an automation thing or really whatever. Um, is is there an opportunity for this to be fixed in the mix and I just get a new version of it? Just something like like really simple that it's like you two can work together real quick and you can get a way better result. And that's all done with like five minutes of work and a little bit of communication. Mm-hmm. And now the client's going to be infinitely happier and this thing is not going to be an issue because how many things go unheard of at like lower volumes? And it's like when mastering brings something up, it's like, oh, okay, now you hear that there's too much tape hiss. Now you hear that that exciter or saturator, whatever it is that you put on the vocal is a little too hot. Things are a little too crunchy, a little too crispy. Um, and uh, I don't know. And it's like if something gets brought up in the mix or I'm sorry, like, if something gets brought up by the level and it's like, there's like a really loud noise floor now or I don't know, it's like if you get a mix, it's like super, super, super quiet and it's like a rock mix and it's kind of got to get to rock levels. Mm-hmm. Then a conversation might need to be had like whenever stuff is brought up and you might need to make a note in, I don't know, a physical note or something like like Logic has those little notepads to where it's like, okay, just make sure you're checking the, like that noise floor is going to be crazy if like there's like a, like a down bridge or a down verse or something. And it's like that you just don't hear it. Just like kind of in the background. And it's like, I don't know, that might be an RX thing, but RX sometimes removes some of the little nice airy parts that, say, like a down verse or a down bridge would have. Um, I don't know. So sometimes some things might need to just kind of be brought into consideration a little bit. And um, like I said, I just have it written down, when in doubt, communicate. Mm -hmm. And, And the biggest thing is that if the client likes it, then... I I I really don't I really don't go out of my way to make something more than what the client really wants. I, I I want them to be ultimately as happy as possible with the best sounding master that they could possibly have. Mm-hmm. And it's like like you said, you hire us to kind of be that non biased set of ears to say, hey, there's something kind of weird right here. Um, and I don't know if you do this. I do this. I'll just ask, like, real quick, is this intentional? Yeah. If not, I can fix it. I'll or, do that sometimes. Yeah, I have no problem doing that. I feel bad doing it because it's like nine times out of ten, I probably know it's not intentional. Right. But, I mean, is what it is. Right. So it's like, you know, you're you're hired to ask. Right. I liked what you said earlier, though. I wrote this down that, like, if they love the mix, just make it louder. Yeah. <laughs> because anything that you do to it, I've found out that you're not going to make it better than the thing that they love. Right. So that's like literally like some of the best direction you can get. Right. Is like, is like, what happens then 
when the what the client wants is actually what the record needs. That's and a, like a you're, win-win. And you're kind of, <laughs> yeah, but what like are you capable? Not like you. But like, are you capable to actually make the decision? I think it's like one of the biggest maturity things is like, you're sitting in front of like 40, 60 grand worth of gear and your like solution for their mix is, yeah, we don't need to go out of the box. Right. This one's good, not running through the gear. We're going to lose more than we gain by going out. Yep. And, uh... If the client loves the mix, there's nothing wrong in just kind of making it a little bit louder and uh I don't know, just kind of monitoring things for anything that anything weird that might happen because you're making it loud. Right. Is anything hitting a limiter weird? Is uh does anything need compressed? Is anything need tamed a little bit? Um and there's nothing wrong with that, but just staying like super transparent and um clean and really close to the mix that they already love. I mean, that's kind of like best case scenario. Right. Um so I always I always feel guilty with those because it's like I like I didn't get to use the toys, like I didn't get to do the thing right. they wanted. Like you they're like, oh man, I can hear the very me work, and it's like, nah, I didn't use the very me work. <laughs> I got some news for you. Um let's see. Um I think like like one of the last things I have also, and I think it gets a lot of people down, is that um like whenever you do get revisions for like what the client wants isn't necessarily what the record needs. Sometimes you just need to realize that that re- like and it's it's like you need, I don't know at least with mastering mastering is a like like when what I tell people mastering is a volume based business. It's like you got to <laughs> you got to kind of have a revolving door of clients just because right. mixes don't stick around here too long. Like we like I have on my checklist, I have like a part where you enter a physical date for the deadline. You must have this done by. And so mixes don't stick around here long. So this kind of has to be a a slowly revolving door, not not a quick revolving door. Um I want to make sure I do my due diligence, of course. But um, when what the record needs does differ from what the client wants and you're kind of staring down the barrel of like a little revision checklist, treat it like that. It is a checklist for what needs to be done in order so that this client is uber happy mm-hmm. with what they have and then they can put this thing out into the world. And uh, I feel like when you treat it as a checklist, you're you're less anxious about it. Cause like when you're like just starting out in this, you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't like what I did. <laughs> I'm ruined. Right. <laughs> it's the end. Right. But in all honesty, they literally just gave you a checklist of if you fix these things, it'll be perfect. Right. And if they take a picture of, of a piece of gear or something like that, like a plug-in, Hey, I did this here and this sounds great on my end <laughs> on top of this master. Um, it's like, you know what? Take it for what it is. Um, no one's perfect, and it's just, this is just a checklist in order to get the client where they need to get going. Right. That's why we're all in this anyway. Right. So, I think that's all I got. That's great. We yeah. got fifty-one minutes, man. Woohoo! Yeah, I, I would just say quickly that you know the approach is always like, is there is there a way to do everything the client wants? You know, that's where my brain is always at first. Is whatever they're saying is, can I do all this while still making the record what it needs? And I will usually try what the client wants. I'll I'll give it a go 
and listen to it first before I send it back to them before mm-hmm. we because I I will say it again like there's a range of acceptability in my opinion of what a record quote unquote needs to still compete so sometimes what they're saying is maybe a, a taste thing that's different than what I would do um, but it's still it's not a make or break that's what I'm always asking is this a make or break to the record like is this mm-hmm. literally gonna feel so strange when it comes out you know on a playlist or you know, do you, will it even be on a playlist because it's so different, you know, sonically? And that's, mo- I keep saying playlist because everybody just, 99% of people are concerned about playlists now and how yeah. their song stacks up on a playlist. Um, it's like, who gives a shit? You ain't getting paid for that anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're making pennies, pennies. Although yeah. pennies add up. Um, they don't add that, they don't add up that much. That's true. Um, but yeah, that would, that would be just kind of my last thing of, you know, always striving to do what the client wants and then always filtering that through, you know, is this a make or break for the record, what the record needs? Because you want, you know, I have this other quick thought too that I've told people is like, I need the client to be stoked on the product on some level too because I need them to promote it. So if the artist or even if the person who's not paying me um, has an opinion like the artist. You need the artist. You need whoever's going to promote it or perform it to be stoked on it. Because if they're not, then they're yeah. not going to be stoked on the song. They're not going to push it. They're not going to promote it. It's going to become like a deep cut or not even a cut <laughs> that they perform or show off. Yeah. Then they don't make money. Then they don't come back to you. Like, you know, you've you've got to find this balance of it's what we're talking about. What does the client want versus what the record needs? And it's a give and take. It's I don't even call it compromise, but it's just a constant navigation of of context of what can we what 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 can we do here to make everyone happy and still have a product that competes in the market. And you know, ninety nine percent of the time, I feel like you and me and most people out there, we we figure it out together because we do all understand yeah. what we're all saying is to get us the best in product. We all want it to sound great. We all want it to compete when it comes out. We all want it to make money. So can we all see that and view every comment through that lens, you know, that we're all trying to do that. And if you can do that, then you'll have no issues. But it's it gets complicated because art is often emotional and personal. So sure. it feels personal a lot of the times. But, you know, I, I work really hard on trying to always just see let me take the emotion out. Let me, sometimes I'll write it down, you know, in the notes. What's the actual, I'll say like, what is the actual reality here? What are they asking? Is what they're asking detrimental or not? Is is what I'm feeling personal? You know, do I feel attacked? Do I feel like they're just being like, you're stupid, you don't know what you're doing? And then I'm like, huh, I'll show you. Like, <laughs> you know, is that what I'm doing or not? So um, those are just the last few thoughts I had written down, but I am done. Let's wrap. Unless yeah. you got anything else to say. No, I think like with, with me, it's like, I think I had, I was honestly looking at the clock at like 34 minutes being like, how the heck are we going to make this an hour? <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll be fine with 45 minutes. We can make it 45 minutes. Cause I was kind of like done. And then I went on this like massive thing. It's great. And it like, like everything that I just said, um, and uh, what I believe I think comes back to like just communication Yep, it's great. and proper communication and, 
I don't know. It's like, do you want to sell him a? Do you want to sell him a Chevy? You want to sell him a Mercedes? It's like <laughs> I want you to be buying a Mercedes. So that's kind of how I'm gonna treat you, and that's how I'm gonna. It's like, hey, your master sounds fucking awesome because I think it's really good. Right. And I think I did a really good job. And if like there's a few revisions on it, it's like, which version do you like the best? It's like. And that's what they're asking you. It's like, well, I like version one, the one I sent you the first time. Right. I thought that one sounded great. And so, because I'm trying to give you a Mercedes here. So I want you to be as happy as you can. So, anywho, I think it all comes down to communication. Agreed. So, anywho, if speaking of communication, if you like what you heard, if you wouldn't mind communicating that to us, we would appreciate it. You can do that over on iTunes. You can do it on Instagram. You can go in like a little screenshot or whatever you want to grab a little slice of audio and say, you should listen to these guys. And that would be awesome. Grab a slice of this audio. Tell like like do like promoception. You're promoing <laughs> us while we're promoing us. Promoception. So if you liked what you heard, said, whatever, what we said, not you, you weren't talking, <laughs> then go ahead and share us with a friend or foe, whatever you want. Um, if you wouldn't mind giving us some likes, comments, subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. In the beat, you can hear a sweet, or in the beat, oh my gosh, we are ready to get out of here. Ready. In the background, you can hear a sweet beat uh, curated by the one and only Sam Moses with beesabeats.com. I'm sure it's lovely this time. It's always as lovely lovely this time of year. <laughs> Maybe next time I won't be as so tongue-tied and tongue-twisted and all that jazz. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? If you need a mastering engineer, I can be found at For The Record Mastering. Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. And I think that's all I got. I think I did it out of order, but that's all I got. It's great. You did great. You have anything else, Sam? No, I'm done. Sweet. Uh, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having. I hope you have a darn good one. Cue the rest of the sweet beat, Sam. Cueing sweet beat. <laughs> Cueing sweet beat. Dot com. Sweet beat. Dot com. <laughs> that, that should be, yeah, That that's the that's the rival company to Beza Beats. <laughs> sweet beats. Dot com. Yeah, so, the more I say it, the more it's sounding weird. I'm just going to cut out now, and we'll see you all in the next episode. See you later. Bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.